And if you'll notice in the news or uh, in history uh, all over the place, right now <coughs> there's a battle going on uh, between the uh, Palestinians and the Israel, uh, the people of Israel. Now, um, it's important for us to realize how this all got started. As you know, God gave the Israelites the promised land. Um, let me ask you, were, was there anybody occupying the land before the Jews went in and took the land? Absolutely. There's the problem. Because now you have to say, all right, these people that were there, uh, that was their land. The Canaanites, right? The Philistines, Palestinians. Well, now, if you, if you believe in God then God said, these people are so bad and so wicked, I'm going to move them out and I'm going to give you their land. That's what happened. That's where the big fight comes from. Because the people that got kicked out of their land, uh, they, they still hate Israel. And they think it's not fair. And they don't believe in God. So they, they, they have Allah and they have Islam and they have all their, um, their Muslim beliefs. And that's where the problem is. Now, they were Canaanites. And if you go in the Bible, if you believe the Bible, you have the Canaanites. God said, I'm not putting you into their land because you're so good. I'm putting you into their land because they're so bad. Now, folks, there was a lot of terrible sins going on. It was idolatry. The people were uh, putting their children in the fire and they were burning, sacrificing their own children in, in barbecued fires. They were burning their children, passing them through the fire uh, to Molech and all the false gods. Uh, <clears throat> not only that, there was a horrible <clears throat> amounts of incest. There was idolatry. There was terrible, terrible sins of immorality and uh, wickedness and it was absolutely terrible stuff going on. And, and uh, you remember God gave the Ten Commandments and then all the laws that followed. Uh, he said, you shall not, uh, you know, have your, your uncle and your aunt and all these uh, ancestral things. So this is what was going on in Canaan land. And all the Canaanites were very evil. So God said, I'm going to kick them out. And Joshua went into the land. And he said, now I want you to go and take all these cities, 31 kings. Joshua said, there's much more to be conquered, right? So this is the problem of the current history of the Holy Land. There's a big fight going on. The Arabs say that they, they were kicked out. They say Jerusalem and Israel, they're occupying their territory. And so now we're going to take a look at this now. Uh, there's always going to be a fight there until the Jews accept Jesus. They haven't done that. And the Arabs accept Jesus too. The Arabian people, the, the whole nation of all the nations around Israel, uh, the, uh, the Arabs or the, I should say, Islamic belief, they have, they have to completely disregard that and forsake that if they're ever going to get blessed by God. And the Jews have to accept they have the right God. They just don't have Jesus, the Messiah. They missed him. So you have here these evil people that don't even believe in God. 
And then you have the Jews who do believe in God, but they're waiting for their Messiah who already came. You have two factions and they're fighting each other. But guess what? In amongst all that, you have the, the Palestinian people who are, they don't get along with all the Arabs and they don't get along with the Jews. They want, their own, they want everybody to leave them alone. And it goes back to where Ishmael would be a wild man, remember? Ishmael was an outcast. And so you have, you have several issues going on at the same time, in, especially in the historical uh, setting that we have, our, we have ourselves today. So let's go back into Exodus, and we're going to catch up real fast. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15, and we have um, the first or uh, one of the first mentions of this area uh, of uh, Palestine. And uh, Moses refers to it as Palestina. And this is where we get the word Philistines. Um, it's not exactly the same word, but it's the same people. Look at Exodus 15, verse number 13. Thou, in thy mercy, thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. See that? So yes, lots of lots of people in in Canaan land in Palestina that were kicked out. And that is the fight today. Look at verse 15. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, the mighty men of Moab, trembling shall take hold upon them and all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as still as stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. So, God brought the uh, Israelites in out of Egypt, brought them into the, into the land of Canaan and wiped out the Canaanites and the, the fight never going to stop. Never, ever, ever going to stop. There's no, and I, I'm glad we have a president that wants peace and he tried to, but did you notice recently that the, um, the, the peace plan that was given to the Palestinians uh, was unbelievably wealthy. They, I mean, they were going to make out like big dogs. They were going to have a, every, almost anything they could want. They have cohabitation with Israel. They're going to have a seat in the Israeli Knesset, with all the all the judges and uh, the the uh, government. Uh, so they're not going to be isolated like criminals. They were they were told you can you can go ahead. We can live together. Just that. We're going to rule, and, and, and the Palestinians said, no way. And so uh, we have a big problem to this day. It's never going to go away until Jesus comes back. It will never, ever go away. There, it'll be there until Jesus comes back. The Palestinians still feel like um, 
they have been kicked out of their land and they hate the Jews. They would rather have uh, no country at all and live like vagabonds rather than live in co uh, cohabitation in the country with the Israelis. And it'll never stop. It's going to be like that forever. And, and you know, on this side of heaven. Okay, so let's go now to 1 Samuel. And you, uh, in the, with, with that, in light of that, you have these battles all the time with David. Uh, Goliath, as we said last week, and his brothers and, and his sons. They were, uh, of course, Palestinians. They were Philistines. And uh, we're going to start off in Samuel 18. And uh, all the time, David was beginning to be a general. As soon as he uh, took uh, and wiped out Goliath, right after that, he was made to be the general of a thousand armies, uh, soldiers in Israel. And he never stopped fighting until almost the day he died. In fact, when he was an elderly man, and he was still, you know, had a little bit of strength left. He still went out to battle, and he almost died. And they said, you're not going to battle anymore. You're going to stay in Jerusalem. So there's the battle. All the time through David's whole life, the time he was a teenager, all the way up until the time he was just about too uh, feeble to go to war. First Samuel uh, 18. Let's start off with verse number 8. So now we have... Uh, Saul and uh, David has just slaughtered the uh, the Philistine and uh, now we're going to have a little bit of problem here because we've got a king Saul who is very insecure he's full of hatred he is guilty he is shamed he has failed to do the right thing he's full of pride full of rebellion and he Saul, the king, has a complete meltdown, and uh, he, his life is absolutely a mess. He's completely a shell of a man. He has no spine. He has no courage. He's just insecure, <clears throat> full of hatred. But David is going the other way. He is now the one that God's going to raise up, and uh, we start off with verse uh, 13. It says, Therefore, <clears throat> Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. That's David. Now he's got a thousand soldiers. Now, why did Saul do that? Saul did that because he wanted to kill David. He wanted to get rid of him. He thought that David would go out to war and be uh, fall in battle. So he, he makes him a captain, but that actually was good for David and God had a plan for his life. It says, and he went out and came in before the people. So David goes out to battle and he comes back. They were always at war. And by the way, Goliath was a liar too. They weren't going to be servants of the, of the Israelis. Uh, they were going to fight them until the death. So I don't care what kind of deal they tried to make. And I don't think you ought to deal uh, with uh, Al-Qaeda and Taliban and ISIS, uh, you, there's only one thing they understand, and that's to be completely beat down and beaten. There's no, you don't, you don't uh, make deals with the devil, amen? You can't. And so that's why uh, our foreign policy in America 
is always so ter uh, ter filled with turmoil and disagreements and people getting fired here and fired there. Because what we need to do is just say, look, we're going to whoop you. And that's the only thing they understand. They don't understand money and wealth and, and, and trade and agreements. All they do is use that to try to wipe out Israel. That's all they want. That's the only thing. It's kind of easy to know what their foreign policy is. They want to kill Israel. They've always wanted to kill Israel. If they can do it, they will. So here is Saul, and uh, he thinks that David's going to go and be killed in battle. Actually, this is uh, quite the opposite. David's going to rise up as the greatest general that, that the, the Israel has ever had. So he's going out and he's coming back. Look at verse 14. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. That's a great statement. Behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, very wisely, he was afraid of him. So David wasn't going to be dumb enough to go and do something in battle that would kill him. He was very wise. He was a great soldier, great general. God raised him up. This really made Saul upset. It just completely foiled his plans. And so notice there, Saul was afraid of him. Have you ever had anybody afraid of you? Have you ever been afraid of somebody that was doing a better job than you are? Listen, down where you work, do not be afraid of people if they're great. They're doing a great job. And even if, you, um, if you're going to be replaced, uh, don't, let that, don't let that make you afraid. Uh, trust God. Do, do whatever it takes to be a blessing to people. How many understand a lot of people are insecure? And it's just terrible. It'll, it'll, it'll uh, really shake you up. So, um, I... You know, we've all been replaced before. We've all had times when we were working and somebody replaced us. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, it takes a real strong Christian. But see, Saul, he is messed up. He is completely uh, insane right now. He's afraid of David. You know, if Saul was doing right, he should have helped David. He should have served him and, and made David feel like, I know God's on, uh, God's with you. And the Holy Spirit's on you. I'm going to help you. But Saul ended up ruining his whole life because of all this terrible hatred and terrible insecurity and failure and guilt and this big meltdown. Listen, we, we need to be strong and uh, calm. And uh, we, need, we need to be uh, secure in our faith. Just the opposite with Saul. He's afraid of David. David was nobody to be afraid of. I would have loved to have been David's friend. I would have loved to have served David. Verse 15. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Mirab, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, let, uh, excuse me. For Saul said, let 
not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. You see, Saul wanted him to go out and die in battle. And later on, David would use that same thing on Uriah the Hittite. He backslid and got out of God's will for a time. In verse 18, And David said unto Saul, Who am I, and what is my life? For my, father, my father's family in Israel, that I should be the son-in-law to the king. But it came to pass at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Maholothite, to wife. So David was no doubt pretty excited. He'd have a new wife, a king's daughter. And then right at the time, see, that's the way things were done back then. Um, the, the parents, uh, the dad would actually make a deal with the son-in-law-to-be, and they would, uh, they would pay a dowry. So you want my daughter? All right, pony up. Let's have some cash. What do you got? Uh, and that's just so wrong. Amen. You know, I just so wrong. That I I, I can't stand that that thought. Listen, uh, let the children fall in love themselves. Amen. And uh, but uh, you do have to go through me at, at some point, right? Amen. <laughs> yeah. I remember when Sean Paul uh, asked for the hand of Juliana. Oh, he really got me good. He took me to Starbucks with a brand new, big, huge, beautiful diamond ring he was going to put on Julianne's finger. And he, uh, he did some investigating and stuff, and he bought the diamond, and he did the research, and he designed it, had it built and everything, and got all the, the stack of documents how that it was a perfect diamond. He just went crazy with it. And then he put it in a little case and took me to Starbucks, and he says, I, I'd like to ask your your uh, permission to marry Juliana. And, I, and he said, but before you say yes, I want to show you what I got here. And then he showed me that great big diamond. <laughs> and then he put the papers out in front of the, he, he was really happy that he designed the whole thing. He said, now you keep the ring. Don't give it back to me. Uh, just keep it and pray about it, okay? And then when you decide that it's okay and, and you're going to give me permission to marry Juliana, then you can give me the ring back. I thought, ah, this could go well. Uh, but no, about 15 minutes later, I turned the box around. I said, get this on her finger as fast as you can. <laughs> that was great. Well, that's, that's better than this. You know, uh, I, I've, I've got these daughters, uh, Saul, Saul says, and um, I think I'll give David Mirab. But then right, right before it's supposed to be uh, the, the wedding day, uh, I'm going to take Mirab back and I'll give him one of my bad daughters. Now, Saul had a bad daughter. You go to why that's in the Bible right here. Did you know Saul wanted to kill David? He wanted him to go to battle. He took his worst daughter. I mean, the daughter that had all kinds of problems. And he said, I'll give, I'll give David McCall. Now, you're going to see in a minute, he knew that that was a bad thing. I'll show you why. Look at verse 20. And McCall, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her that she may what? <laughs> 
How did he know McCall was going to be a snare to David? Something must have been wrong with her, right? She must, she must have been a bad girl somehow. I didn't say, yeah, Sean Paul, I'll give you Juliana. She'll be a snare to you. That's just it. No way. Do you see what I'm, do you see it right there in plain as day, isn't it? Saul knew something was wrong with McCall. I don't know if she was an idolatress. I don't know if she had problems. But <laughs> he hated David, wanted to kill him. In order that this might hurt him, he decided not to give him Mirab, but McCall. Uh, we're going to find out later. McCall was a bad girl. She, she had something really bad wrong with her. She had a bad attitude because obviously he wanted to hurt David with that daughter. And that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So maybe, maybe it was that McCall was, maybe she wasn't a believer. Maybe she was more along the lines of a Philistine uh, sympathizer. We don't know. But it was a snare to him. And it says, Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one and the twain. And Saul commanded his servants, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delight in thee, and all his servants love thee. Now therefore be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David, and David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be the ki a king's son-in-law, seeing that I'm a poor man and lightly esteemed? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spake David. And Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, The king desireth not any dowry. So David didn't have to pay money. He just had to go out into the battle and kill a bunch of Philistines. But a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of David's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Verse number 25. See, here's what, what Saul wanted to do. He wanted to kill David. He was after him. He was insecure. He couldn't stand it that he was such a failure at his job. And then he wanted to kill David. He wanted to wipe him out. Well... One of the things he tried to do was, I think, uh, I think what I'll do to hurt him, I'll, get, I'll give him a call. That ought to snare him up. And then he says, now, uh, I think we'll send him out into battle. That'll kill him. Well, verse 26 says, And when his servants told David these words, <clears throat> it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, and the days were not expired. Wherefore David rose and went, he and his men, and slew of the Philistines 200 men. David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in full tale to the king, and he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, to wife. Now that must have really made Saul upset, because he thought that indeed would kill him, but it didn't. It wasn't just 100 dead Philistines, 200. David was on the march. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that McCall, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David. I thought he was already afraid of him. The, the Bible says he was 
He was very afraid of him. Now he's more afraid. What's he afraid of? And Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. So we have a real problem here. Uh, in chapter 19, Saul is going to start to try to actually kill David personally. Instead of throwing him into battle, he's going to throw a javel at him, javelin at him three times. And, uh, and then he, he's going to try to kill him. And it's not going to work because you know what? You can't get rid of God's people. You can't get rid of David. Uh, uh, Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. You know, when God's hands on somebody, you're almost indestructible. Do you know that? Until God's done with you, you're indestructible. Now, you can't, you can't really do crazy stuff because if, you're, if God's hands on you, you won't do crazy things. But you're, when God's hands on you, you're, you're almost indestructible as far as God's concerned. You stay in God's will. Uh, the mission field. Children that go to the mission field, friends that go to the mission field, they're safer in the darkest part of the deepest, most wild jungle in Africa uh, in the will of God than uh, safe and sound here in some state. Uh, you know, where, when you're in God's will, you're safer than any place in the world. It's amazing. Saul, actually, he conspires to kill David and then he tells his servants, and then he tells Jonathan, which was a big mistake for him to do. He hated David so badly, he actually told Jonathan, his son, and Jonathan and David were best friends. Let's look at chapter 19, verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. So he's still trying to get him killed. It's amazing to me amazing because that you know anybody that's trying to do right you're going to have a lot of enemies and you're going to have a lot of people that hate you if you if you try to do right and you're doing a good job and you're doing right you're going to have a lot of enemies look look at look at what's going on today even in political circles look at what's happening to president trump there, there's a lot of hatred look what's happening to the jews there's no reason for them to hate the jews in, in Palestine. There's no reason at all. They just hate them for no reason at all. Just hate them. Uh, so anybody that's trying to do right, anybody that's trying to uh, make progress has got uh, obviously enemies. And that's, remember Paul. Remember Paul? How many times did they try to kill him? They were always trying to kill him. Remember how the Lord Jesus walked in the city of Jerusalem, and he walked around the Holy Land, and they were constantly conspiring how to get rid of him, and how to kill him, and how to get rid of him. It's uh, it's just that way with you know there's a there's a fight between good and evil, but God's hand on Saul, on Paul or excuse me David, and uh, Saul is going to be wiped out. You know my dad used to tell me something, and I never have forgotten it. He. Uh, there, there's been times in my life when I, I didn't understand why there were so many really evil people. And my dad used to refer to these folks and say, 
This phrase, he said, he'll get his. I never have forgotten that. You don't have to judge people. You don't have to get revenge on anybody. In fact, David shows us that he would not touch the God's anointed. Uh, king Saul, as long as he was king, was still God's man. Even though God had anointed David, but you don't mess with the king. And he was very good with the authority placed over him. He had a healthy respect for the king, even though the king was an idiot. Uh, but, you know, that's how we're supposed to be, too. No matter if your boss is doing real, something really bad wrong, if he's a bad boss, if, you're, if people over you are doing something wrong, how do you handle that? What do you do? There's lessons here. If somebody in authority is really messing up and abusing authority, you just step back and you let them hang themselves. You let them get in trouble. You let them do wrong. Don't you get involved with it. You just do your job and you let God take care of them because that's exactly what will happen. I've seen it so many times. I got fired once for doing nothing at a hardware store in Renton. And that assistant, uh, assistant manager got fired. I just stepped back and he fired me and I shook his hand and I said goodbye. And uh, later on, I think I came back after a few months and he had been fired because he was embezzling and stealing from the company. And he hated me. I don't even know why. I'm a nice guy. I, I, I did my job. I worked real hard. He had no reason to fire me whatsoever. But I got fired. He just hated me for no reason. I mean, I worked really hard. I was there on time. I never was late. I did my job well. Everybody else loved me. This guy, I don't know why he hated me. He hated me for no reason. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes in authority, uh, people do wrong things. They do bad things. They, do, uh, they might not have the right mindset. They shouldn't even have been placed in authority. But they're there, aren't they? They're there. We have to live with that no matter what. Pretty soon, God will make sure that he will get his or she'll get hers. They will get theirs. And I'll never forget my dad saying that. Don't worry. They'll get theirs. <laughs> and it works every time. You don't have to judge. You don't have to uh, crow like a rooster. You don't have to be uh, revengeful at all. David shows us that's how to handle things. Uh, can you imagine David being under the king that God had taken the spirit away from him and cursed him and uh, said, you're done. You know, rebellion is the sin is witchcraft and stubbornness is idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. God's rejected you from being king. It's over. Your king is done. And then, and then all it had to do is just wait. Time took its toll. Boom, he's out of there. And David was raising up in authority David didn't even have to do anything. He just had to love God and uh, everything would work well. All right, so I, I have something that I want to uh, teach to you too, not only biblically, but I thought it would be interesting if we went down a little bit of history um, in, the, uh, in the area of the Philistines and what happened. Uh, you know that Israel became a nation again in 1948, right? So the day after they declared their uh, statehood, the very day after that, there was a great big war uh, in 1948, the day after they declared that they were a nation. And all the, na all the uh, countries 
uh, Egypt and Syria and Lebanon and Saudi Arabia and, and Iraq, all these uh, outlying areas, they all went to war against Israel in 1948 to wipe them out. Our own CIA made a comment that said it doesn't look like the Jews are going to make it. They're going to be uh, they're going to be kicked out of their uh, land. That that doesn't look like they're going to make. They're going to be exiled again, and they were wrong. Amen. God kept them right there, and they beat the stuffings out of all those armies. They beat them good, and they got their independence. They raised the Jewish flag, uh, Ben Gurion, and uh, I think he was the first one uh, to be the prime minister of Israel in 1948-49, and they became a nation again. But remember what this is. This isn't the first time that they took the land, right? They were there, but then they, they, they forsook the Lord, and they were scattered all over the world. And they were brought back in 1948 and made a nation. That wasn't the work of the United Nations. That was the work of God. God planted them back in their country. So from that time on, they still have had to do the same thing David had. Constant battle after battle after battle. In that war, 1948, right after they became a nation, there was a young man that was fighting against them, an Egyptian. Anybody ever hear the name Yasser Arafat? Now, he, he's dead now, but he was the head of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO. But before that was called the PLO, it was called Fatah. Uh, Fatah. And that was a part of this radical, uh, just terrorist organization. Has anybody ever heard the term of Black September? Black September was the name of the group. It wasn't just the time. It was the name of the group. So they, they formed this uh, organization. Now, it, they were against all the Arab countries. The Palestinians right now that are in Gaza and uh, the West Bank and the Golan Heights, all that. But they've congregated into this little, little spot on the seacoast east or west of Tel Aviv, a place called Gaza. That is where the Palestinians are located. Hamas, have you ever heard of Hamas? That's the organization. So you have all these horrible terrorist organizations that are launching um, uh, rockets into Israel and they're digging tunnels. Now they're taking balloons, they're blowing up balloons and they're floating balloons over and when they pop, of course, they uh, have blunt, uh, exploding devices and they're killing people like that. So you have this big war going on. It's never going to stop. Well, Yasser Arafat was a young man in this army of the Egyptian side. And he worked his way up into this terrorist organization, uh, Fatah and Black September. They, they blow up airlines in 1972, I think, or 71, 72 in the Olympics. The Israelis had nine uh, Olympic stars. They were in a hotel in Munich, Germany. And the, and the PLO, they went in and they, uh, they uh, kidnapped them all and then they murdered them. Um, and uh, these, these terrorist attacks, remember, uh, I think, it, I don't remember the date now, but I think it was 80, 83. But there was um, uh, the uh, Marine barracks in Beirut, Lebanon, 
276, I think, uh, 270 some Marines, our brothers uh, in arms. They were all there in a the big barracks. Um, the special forces. Uh, I have I have a book where they they warned them you're you're open for an attack. And sure enough, not too long after he warned everybody, they drove a great big huge moving van. They crashed into the front doors of the Marine barracks and blew that thing up and killed 270-some Marines. That was the PLO, the Resistance Terrorist Organization. What are they all mad about? Why are they trying to kill people so, so much? Well, it's because they hate Israel, and they're not getting along with the Arab countries either. They're against everybody. They're against America. They, they say this, no negotiations with Israel or America, no deals, no occupation, nothing. We're not going to do any dealings with them. And we're not going to recognize uh, Israel as a nation. They just refuse to recognize. That's what's going on over there. It's horrible. And there's murders all the time. So uh, what happened is in June of 67, this is uh, modern history actually, uh, June of 67, in, uh, they had a big war. Uh, Moshe Dayan was in charge of the Israeli Defense uh, League, uh, the army, and uh, they, they had to go to war. And it's really interesting because in just a few hours, the Israeli Air Force wiped out the whole Egyptian Air Force, took out everybody in just a few hours. And they hit Syria and Egypt, and Jordan, and Israel defended, and it's called the Six-Day War. And Moshe Dayan took Gaza Strip, the Golan Heights, the West Bank, and they took Jerusalem, and I don't know how in the world they left that little spot for the Muslims, but they let them have the Dome of the Rock. Now, right now, this is what's going on now. Can you imagine way back when David was king of Israel, he was constantly fighting the Palestinians. I wish it wasn't like that. I wish we'd have peace, don't you? I mean, really, I, uh, it's, it's, got, it's got to be rough on a Jewish person to be born in Jerusalem or Israel and live their whole life under all this hatred and have your legacy. We were slaves in Egypt. Hitler tried to kill us all. Now, the, now the, all the Arabs are trying to kill us and the Palestinians are trying to kill us. I don't know how I'd take that if I was an Israeli. You know, you know what I'd probably do? I'd probably get saved. I'd probably turn to, I'd probably find out, how can I get out of this? I, I, want, I want peace in my heart. Uh, the, the country is absolutely a target for everybody that hates them. And it's never, it's never going to change. But uh, now, I want you to remember, whenever you hear on the news or the radio or whatever you listen to, I want you to remember, Israel's not occupying a land that doesn't belong to them. They are not occupying. They're not the occupation. It's not like a, an enemy country came in and took over the country and they're just occupying it like, like, like soldiers would. God gave them that country. God gave them that land. And that's the, that's the problem with, and you know, this thing's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, 
it'll go like this. You know, there'll be times of peace and there'll be uh, insurrections and problems, and, but they're never going to have peace over there until the, the Prince of Peace comes. Jesus is going to take care of it, and then there'll be peace. But it's good for us to see this in the Bible because you look back and you see, why, why did David have so much uh, warfare in his life? As we look at the book of Psalms, have you ever gone through the book of Psalms and tried to read as many as you can in one sitting and try to get through the whole book of Psalms? There's patterns that will form as you read the book of Psalms. Constantly, David is trying to say, Lord, help me. The enemy wants to destroy me. Why? When, when are you going to remember us? How come there's so much uh, turmoil in my life? I need peace and Oh, God, help me. I'm overwhelmed. It's just over and over again. And David had to take the brunt of all that hatred. And then, of course, he knew full well because he went out to battle. And David was going to build a temple, remember? What was it that David had in his life that God said, I can't use you in this fashion. I can't, I'm going to use your son. What was that for? Well, that... That was because he was a man of war. He had blood. He, he shed a lot of blood. But it wasn't, it wasn't innocent blood, but he was a warrior. I mean, David was not just some king in a robe. He, he was a fighter. He was like a four-star general. Um, who is that? Uh, the guy in the Gulf War. I forgot his name. Schwarzkopf. They call him Stormin' Norman. I'll never forget that guy. I, it made me want to join the army. He was great. But it's like somebody with a good heart, plenty of fight, and David never stopped fighting. It's kind of like us spiritually. You know, we're going to always have problems. Always, always. We're never going to be able to let our guard down. So when you, th- when you hear Palestinians, when you hear about the Israeli conflict and the peace uh, process, and all, remember, that's all just talk. It, there's always going to be. Until, until Jesus comes back. There's all, so how do you deal with it? I think this. Same way you deal with any enemy. You make sure you're beating them. Amen? You make sure you're winning. You make sure you're walking circumspectly. Let's bow for prayer. And we'll, we'll continue on next week.